Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And today, our special guest is Sally Foley-Lewis. Sally is a speaker, author, coach. She's based in Brisbane, Australia. Welcome, Sally. Oh, thank you so much, Ryan Lindsay, for having me. So, Sally, you dabble in the leadership field, and specifically, we, we want to focus today on self-leadership. So, what is self-leadership, and why should leaders care about it? I think one of the biggest things to think about self-leadership is that if we want to be uh, effective in what we do, then it starts from within. And so any effort that it takes to um, improve who we are and how we show up in the world is going to have that ripple effect out to our people, our work, our business, our organisation. So um, it's important because, you know, as the leader, everyone looks to you for that direction, for that guidance. And if we're not operating from our, our best selves, then that too has the ripple effect on uh, our people, our work and our business. And let's face it, the bottom line. So Sally, how being, being aware of yourself and self-leadership, how does that How does ethics come into that? So ethics is, uh, I think, incredibly important. You've got to understand where your lines are and you've got to understand then um, what you're prepared to do in order to to achieve the things that you want to achieve. And interestingly, when you talk about ethics and then self-awareness, there's also this layer on top of that of uh, different cultures because uh, let's take time as an example. Um, in some cultures, being really punctual and being on time is uh, highly regarded and really important, whereas in other cultures it's more fluid. And so, you know, you've got, um, and I'm just picking time as the example here, um, uh, to, to give the ethics argument, if if you're not aware of where you stand, if you, for example, are someone who um, is quite fluid about time, you know, you know you'll get there, you'll know the work will get done, and you're not aware that that's where you stand and you appreciate that others may have more structured approaches, then how how are you going to manoeuvre through the conflicts that could arise out of that? Interesting. Sally, I know you're a prolific author. How many books have you written now? Uh, I've written a few. Um, I've written four that are out into the uh, the actual paper version. We don't talk about the first one, though. We call her the practice run. Oh, so the got, practice run. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've actually and, got three I'm super proud of. <laughs> okay. And then so a little bird tells me that you're writing a book about self-leadership at the moment. Is that correct? Yes. So my focus at the moment is taking these three characteristics of confidence, influence and courage, uh, because I think they're three essential ingredients for leadership um, and how you can amplify those, how you can really fire them up through self-leadership or the practice of self-leadership. So Sally, interesting, I, I, I made a comment about myself and you used the word their confidence. And I've always said that I, in my younger years, I mixed up confidence, self-confidence, and arrogance. 
and I, and I confused the three of those. Um, you know, at what point does confidence become arrogance? I think when you have stopped paying attention to not only uh, the the impact of your behaviour on others is one of the biggest things, and when you are not putting yourself in that perspective of how am I showing up for myself and how am I showing up for others around me, I think it's when your emotional intelligence is fairly limited and yet your confidence is overfloweth, <laughs> is what I would say. Um, and I think when, when to, to kind of right-size that, because it is, it's one of those things where even when you're trying to build your own confidence up, you start, you can potentially start to question yourself and think, am I being overconfident? Am I starting to be one of those people? When in actual fact, you've really got to test your waters and and do that in combination with improving or amplifying or better understanding your emotional intelligence. Okay, so as a leader, it's it's important to be uh, you know uh, to be all over self leadership. Then how how do we actually fire up our employees and encourage them to embrace self self leadership? Yeah, great question. I mean, there's that great piece of work that Gallup has done that says that 85% of employees are disengaged, which leaves us a, a measly 15%. And so I think that is tied in a lot with how we can look at the way our people are either amplifying or working on their own self-leadership. Because when people are operating from their best versions of themselves and you as the leader are uh, stepping in and engaging and empowering, providing opportunities, showing that you value them, listen to them, you know, ask your people what's going on because they're the ones that are at the, you know, in inverted air, air quotes, coalface. They know what's really happening. So all these key pieces that you can put together really help your people to fire up themselves as well. And you know, you could spend you can spend lots of money um, on you know engaging the three of us to do any sort of work around um, um, you know motivators, you know personal awareness, self awareness, emotional intelligence, team building, interpersonal communication skills. But I would say to any leader, start with listening, because just that one first initial act is going to show that you care and that you value what your people have to say and therefore people will then step in and feel engaged and then that that has that ripple or trigger effect to helping them realize how important they are in the whole scheme of things and then uh, pay attention to their own behavior yeah Ralph. well let me ask you a question. you mentioned gallup there and i've been watching the gallup um data for the last couple of years because we work in a similar field and I've seen the Gallup, you know, disengagement surveys or engagement surveys, you know, grow but exponentially over the last few years. You know, if you look at the 2017 or 18 survey, they were talking of 45% disengagement and it's now up to 85%. I mean, how much of that has got to do with crisis leadership over the last few years where, where potentially leaders haven't been showing self-leadership and have been crisis managing just to get the organizations through things, which has created this level of disengagement. 
Oh, I think a lot. I mean, you, you cannot, you can't turn left or right without starting to think about what truly is going on inside organisations. And when something like the pandemic of COVID-19 has hit, as the classic example we'll all be talking about for time to come, um, you know, what's happening to help our leaders be the best version of themselves so that they can then um, help their people to, you know, cliche the word, pivot and be as productive as they can possibly be. So I'm, I, I think crisis management is number is huge, had a huge impact. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things that I started to focus on once the pandemic did hit was reach out to my clients and say to them, you know, what is going on for you that I can help you be the best version of yourself as a leader so that you can then help your people be the best versions of themselves given the crisis going on around you. Um, so I think your point is, is you know, bang on the money and it's absolutely a issue that many organisations, um, they're actually at a, a sort of a tipping point or a sliding doors moment um, where right now we've had, you know, 12 to 18 months experience of this and they would be, uh, I would say, quite, they're missing the opportunity to now sit down and scenario plan and now sit down and say, well, what have we learned? What is it that we can instill in our people um, for when the next wave of something that comes? You know, let's not miss this huge gift, which is a you know weird way of saying it, to then understand how do we act and respond in crises? What do we do that we need to um, fix? What do we, what did, how did we react and what did that mean for us um, as a business and as our people inside that business? Yeah. So COVID has clearly impacted leadership and self-leadership. Is it, are there other things that can get in the way I mean, that's an obvious. Yes, yeah. Oh, definitely. I think it's um, when you don't have a clear understanding of the, the people that you're working with, if you haven't built those relationships, um, if you take, there's a, to me, there's a very clear line between uh, the relationships you have with yourself and who you, who you see you are in the organisation and how you see yourself fitting there. So our own self-worth, our own um, alignment with our values can get in the way. Um, and then you take that round to uh, a, if you're not got a level of confidence that you're able to understand that you do have a level of power and you do have a level of influence and you use that in the right way. You know, I see a, a direct line there with um the quality of your self-leadership and the ability to make decisions, even when they're hard decisions or even when they're, you know, they're just business as usual decisions. You know, the classic that I hear when I'm working with management teams and I go and have a chat to their, their direct reports, time and time again what comes up is I can't stand it when the boss says leave it with me. You know, because that that is one of those things where you just know. And this was what someone said to me once. They said, "That's where I know my request is going to die." You yeah. know, and I actually said that. And I and it's not you know, it's not entirely untrue. You know, it's right it's, up there with the "I'll look into it." Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's one of those ones where I, I think I think the manager does mean well. It's not it's not for any ill intent most of the time, not for any ill intent. 
But what happens is the manager needs to think about it, fair enough, but then then there's that tipping point into how do I make a decision about this? What's the risk of this? Where, and then where's my confidence? Where's my self-awareness? Where's my ability to have a little bit of courage to make the best decision I can with the information I have at that moment? And, you know, so that's just one example um, that I find where, yeah, it's not, not doesn't have to be a pandemic. It can be a business as usual issue. But so, so is that is self leadership the same as managing upwards? No, no, I don't believe so. I think managing upwards is the ability to have a have an influence with your leader and um, for the better for the betterment and benefit of the work and the relationship. You know, a lot of people think it's uh, sucking up. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> think it's, uh, you know, getting the marionette puppet things and manoeuvring yeah, and being yeah. manipulative, <laughs> which makes my skin crawl. Um, and that's not what managing up is. Managing up is being able to work out your boss and being able to truly understand who they are, where they're coming from, and then being able to use the skills you've got to have a really good quality relationship and influence decisions or support them in the decisions or even be able to give feedback in a way that lands the way it's intended and still have the maintenance of a relationship. So to me, managing up and self-leadership are two very different things. So, so with leaders and, and, and crisis management, because I think, you know, Lindsay and I have, and yourself have used, you know, profiling and other things in the past where we see two quite distinct profiles for people, you know, in their behaviors, their natural profile and their adapted profile. How many people have, have in their crisis management decided to grab the control that they gave their staff and, and shown their almost true or natural colors like you said you know leave it to me or i'll do that you know how many managers suddenly under crisis go forget about everything they've built up and say i can do it better than my staff and so i'm going to do it yeah and i think it's yeah it's quite common when we're under stress you go to uh like i know that in the myers-briggs which i did years ago one of the and i'm not assessed in this i'm not qualified in myers-briggs but i was on the receiving end of it when i was an employee and i really valued the 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 facilitator who said because i was in the moment having a really tough time and he said to me when you are under extreme stress you will go to your opposite you know, and uh, and both of you know me quite well. You know, I'm a raging extra, off the charts extrovert, and I was in that moment, in that space and time, withdrawn, quiet, cranky. Um, I was having a really uh, challenging experience in that particular role with a few people around me and the demands of what was happening. So, I think it's you know it's partly human nature and it's partly about the messaging that we can put around our leaders to say yes this is a crisis what can we calm our, what can we do to stay calm and and keep our emotions and our and our thinking in check so that we are operating from a space that we're going to be able to make really good clear calm decisions and it needs a leader and um, and I don't mean leader as in on the organisational chart leader. I mean a smart person leader <laughs> to be the one that says, stop, breathe, now let's think. 
And that's, you know, that's really hard to do when you can see the world crumbling around you. It's really hard to do when you even have your uh, government saying, go home, everyone. You know, when you've got all these messages coming in from you from every direction, you've got people who are starting to get stressed and, and not just their physical safety, but then you've got their psychological safety to take into account. So you you're right. You, you need to be able to have that person somewhere inside your organisation who can um, either be you or someone around you who has got that ability to see above and call it and then calm the situation. Okay. So, so what are some things that leaders can do to fire up their self-leadership? Oh, I think um, first and foremost is starting with your values start there because that's kind of the core of everything. When you have got your values really clearly known, um, and interestingly, not that long ago, I was doing a workshop with a room full of leaders and we did a values exercise and one of them sat there, um, wasn't doing much, and I noticed so I walked over and says, everything all right? And she leaned in and she said, I don't know what my values are. And I thought that was really interesting. So know what your values are then understand what priority that they operate in or even uh, once you get really clear about your priorities, then start to think about what is it you want to be achieving in your leadership so that you can then determine the hierarchy of values that you want to be operating from. So there's that, there's that balance between the priority that your values show up as and the hierarchy you choose your values to be. And then I think the other thing that's really critical at, at that sort of central core piece for a lot of leaders to fire up their self-leadership is understanding boundaries. When, when we have unclear boundaries, I love Brene Brown's work on, you know, dare to lead, and she says that um, clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And, I, and I, I align that to this whole idea of being really clear about what your boundaries are because not only do they work for you then, but you're actually role modelling that to your people so that they too can have a sense of boundaries and people are then uh, operating from a, a level, a higher level of respect for each other. So that's two places to start with. Then I think another area is around a leader's voice and it starts with their own self-talk. You know, what, what do you say to yourself about yourself? And then interestingly, take that outside and focusing on your interpersonal communication skills and, and how you are uh, engaging with people and who you're engaging with and making sure that the messaging that you're delivering is clear, it's it's complete it's got clarity around the intent and your expectations you know a lot of people um get really quite cranky that they don't understand what their boss actually wants so communication is a big one and so that's voice and then the third area i would say for leaders uh, amplifying or firing up their self-leadership is their visibility so making sure that you're showing up, you know, okay, it's very hard to show up in a lot of places when you're in a lockdown. However, showing up online, representing your organisation or your industry in social media, showing up internally in your organisation, uh, being present, you know, getting over yourself and maybe doing a video to the team rather than another email, um, you know, not just 
not just sending out the, the the messages that have to go out and the directions that have to go out, but also showing up as an ambassador for yourself and for your business. So to me, firing up your self-leadership has got those three big areas of your values, your voice, and your visibility. So Sally, where does, where does all that, and we're talking about the self-leadership and leading the organisation, how does purpose how does purpose fit into all of this model of leadership? Purpose, I think, is a is starts from you know your values. You know where where is it that you're operating from to achieve what? You know, so I think that's where it sits. It's in that 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 area of values. Do I, you know, am I driven by, say, for example? Um, uh, professionalism, lifelong learning, and um, what else? Uh, fun. So say say they're my three values: um, professionalism, lifelong learning, and fun. So how do I show up every day? Is then then connects into my purpose and what I want to achieve. I want to achieve and you know a life or a leadership that is demonstrating that I'm a learner. So that means that I'm going to have some fun along the way around I learn. I want to create a fun learning experience for people. At the same time, I'm going to keep it professional. You know, I'm not going to be um, using bad language. I'm not going to intentionally um, be rude or derogatory to people. I'll keep it professional. Um, so then the connection there to purpose is how I am setting the agenda for what I want to achieve. Well, Sally, I don't want to be rude, but we're going to have to wrap it up at this at this point where we're out of time. It's been a, a delight talking with you. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, get on to the old Google and Google my name, Sally Foley Lewis, because there's only one of me, of which many people say, thank goodness. So <laughs> Sally Foley Lewis, S-A-L-L-Y-F-O-L-E-Y-L-E-W-I-S. Too easy. Thank you, Sally, for being a great guest today on the Business Excellence Podcast. This is Rail Bricker thanking my co-host, Lindsay Adams, my guest, Sally Foley Lewis and signing off for today's episode of the Business Excellence Podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com where you can download a lot of free resources to help you become the best version of yourself, become excellent in your life and your business.